Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles and would like to follow along a little bit, we are going to be in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, uh, three or four weeks ago, we had a, a young couple uh, show up at our Sunday morning service, and they were on their way to Montana to pick up a couple of colts, and they were coming from some foreign country, Indiana or some foreign country. I'd never been there, never heard of it. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a long ways away, and they stopped by Colorado, right? <laughs> just to come to a service. Well, they come out to the ranch after lunch and we ended up talking. They ended up, we ended up cooking steaks that night and, uh, and just having the greatest time. They put off their travels for a day and stayed with us. And it was just a really cool time to see a couple of young people that are uh, wanting to get into the, you know, the cowboy way of life in Indiana looks a little different than it does here. Okay, but they were energetic. They they were like a sponge, just asking lots of questions. And they asked me. They said, you know, what was it like to uh, you know cowboy back in the late 1900s on those big ranches in Texas, right? And, and really, I sat there for a second and I said, about like it feels today. I mean, the sun still shone, the wind still blew, it still rained, and we still saddled up, you know, and, and we still put a bridle on, and, and we still long trotted out across the pasture, and, and we roped with worn out ropes, you know. I mean, the ground wasn't any harder or softer back then than it is today, although we are. You know, we're a little harder and softer in places, you know, but, but back then, and what I tried to tell them is that it's, it's not, it wasn't some magical time frame. It was just life. And, and yeah, there, there, there was some struggles back then that we don't have today, but there's some, but there's some things that, that back then it, it was pretty good that we don't have today, you know? And so in all of this, it's about like it does today. Lots of people love the cowboy way of life, even more like it. And a few of us, quite a few in this room, have found a way to make a living at it. But what do you think it was like in Jesus' day? I mean, if Jesus was sitting here and we like, hey, Jesus, what was it like to gather 2,000 years ago? I think his answer would surprise you. The sun still shone, the wind still blew, the water was water, sometimes it rained, sometimes there was drought, sometimes we were hungry, sometimes we were well fed. I would venture to say that as far as our lives go and what's important, nothing has changed. But, but what if, you know, what if we went even just a little bit further back to maybe 711 years before Christ, to an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah, okay? What it must have been like 
to have been an Old Testament prophet. Now, Isaiah didn't do some of the stuff I'm fixing to talk about, but, but Old Testament prophets did. You know, the axe head floated. I think that was Elisha. And Elijah did all of these miracles, and Isaiah did some miracles. I wonder what it was like to be an Old Testament prophet, what it must have been like to foretell the future. Like, I don't even know what that entails of, of you writing something. And, and I heard in my studies this week, I heard a theologian say, listen, man, when the Holy Spirit gave these people the words, they want, they, it wasn't addiction. Like an angel sat there and said, okay, put chapter one, verse one. Right? It didn't happen like that, right? They were just led to do it, so they started writing, and the Holy Spirit helped them with that, right? Man, what it must have been like to be an Old Testament prophet and do all these miracles and then be like foretelling the future. I wonder what it would have been like to be in Isaiah and walk around naked for three years in Jerusalem. So, if y'all come out to the ranch and catch me naked, mind your business. Me and God's doing some talking, okay? <laughs> Just mind your business. Mind your business. I wonder what it was like also with Isaiah. I wonder what it had been like to have seen God's throne. Because see, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gets to see God in person. In his throne room, God, when, when Isaiah is telling it in Isaiah chapter 6, he talks about, I was in the days of King Uzziah. He says, I was taken to heaven and I saw God sitting on the throne and the train of his cape filled the temple. Well, yours probably says robe, but my God wears a cape. Okay, his cape filled the temple and there was smoke everywhere. And Isaiah says, I saw winged seraphim, which is a, which is a classification of angels that, that specifically minister at the throne of God. And he said, these seraphim were mighty and God was huge. And they had six wings. With two wings, they covered up their feet. With two wings, they covered up their eyes. And with two wings, they flew. And all of them sang the same song over and over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Man, can you imagine that? This great big throne, God himself is sitting on it. He's got this robe with a cape that fills up the entire deal. And these angels are flying around. This is the coolest thing Isaiah's ever seen, except he falls down and says, I'm dying. He said, I am a sinner with unclean lips that live around unclean people that do not follow God. And an angel says, well, here, hang on a second. So he flies down and takes a piece of charcoal out of the barbecue pit that was set up right next to God's throne. Because they'd be barbecuing in heaven. And he takes this charcoal and he, he touches it up against Isaiah's lips. And he says, now your sins have been forgiven and you have been cleansed. And then something amazing happens. Then something amazing. What would it have been like to have been there? Because 
at that time, God speaks. God speaks, and he doesn't just speak. He asks a question, and not just any question. He asks the question in Isaiah 6, 8, and 9. God says, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. And God said, yes, you go. Man, God asks the question, who will I send as a messenger to this people? And Isaiah says, I am here. Here I am. Send me. I wonder what that was like. And he does. God makes Isaiah a prophet. And he starts telling all this stuff of how Israel is, is, is turned from God. And he becomes his prophet. And, and the Old Testament is just something that's stuck on repeat. And, and it may mirror some of our own lives. And we think that we can't learn anything in the Old Testament. Is that Israel would go through a hard time. They'd turn to God. God would save them. And after a long time, a good time. They forget about God, and they become weak, right? They, come, they, they become weak spiritually, physically. As a nation, they're weak. And then somebody else comes in and takes them hostage and takes them off somewhere. And then they cry out to God, and God saves them. And then there's good times, and that good times leads to, you know, it, and it just, the cycle repeats over and over and over and over. But I wonder what that was like to volunteer before God. I wonder what Isaiah's story was. I mean, we, we read the account in the Old Testament book, Isaiah, but I wonder what it was like to listen to him talk about his time in God's throne room. Can't you see him and, and Micah and, uh, let's see, here. oh, Micah, Hosea, Amos, and Joel. All of those are Old Testament prophets, and they all lived at the same time. Can you imagine sitting at a campfire, let's say at the city gates, because they did a lot of sitting at city gates, right? And um, can you imagine sitting here and somebody goes, hey, ain't you Isaiah, son of Amos? He's like, yeah. He's like, ain't you the one that went to the throne room? And Micah and Jose, oh, here we go again. Isaiah's throne room vision It started out like this, <laughs> right? I mean, what was that like, right? But what if God asked that question today? Who will I send as a messenger to these people? What would you say? Let me ask you a question. If God was on this stage right now and he asked, who could I send as a messenger to this people? What would you say? Now, I, I, I feel what's going on, right? And... All I want you to do is I want you to kick your horse a little and come up beside me because I'm not trying to back you into a corner. I'm not trying to guilt, shame, nothing. Get up beside me because we're going somewhere and it's not, and I'm not backing you into a corner, okay? So bear with me for just a second. What would you say? If God stood up here and said, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? What would you say? Well, 
I know what some would say. Some would say, well, you know, Elbert County Fairgrounds is different than the throne room of God, right? So, you know, I mean, I guess if, I, if God took me to the throne room of God and, uh, you know, uh, maybe if a seraphim, you know, used a coal to forgive my sins and blah, 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 cleanse me that way. And, and listen, even if all that happened, I ain't walking around naked at the ranch for three years, okay? My, you know, some of you might be saying that, right? And you'd probably say nearly the same thing Isaiah said. You'd probably want to say yes. But honestly, if God asked, who am I going to send as a messenger to this people? You'd probably say, but I'm not a prophet. Well, I know you're not. And neither am I. Neither am I. But today... I'm going to tell you what we must do, okay? Today, I'm going to tell you what we must do, and it's not what you think it is, okay? That's why I said, kick your, kick your horse up, get, get up beside me. I'm not trying to back you into a corner. I'm not trying to get you in a wreck. But you would say, the title of this message is, What We Must Do. Well, you'd probably say, well, I'm not a prophet. And I would say, I'm not either, but we're going to have to do. We are going to have to do. Because God is still looking for a messenger to his people. And no, even though Israel is still his chosen people, his people rejected his Messiah. And God's love went out to all of us through everything. Now, there are no Isaiahs anymore. Prophets were people with special gifting of the Spirit of God. There are no prophets anymore. And today, listen, there may not be any prophets anymore that have the special Spirit of God, but instead of prophets today, we all have that Spirit of God, right? We all have that same spirit that lived in Isaiah, lives in us. We don't need prophets anymore because we have the Holy Spirit to tell us what God wants. And since there are no more prophets, guess what? We will have to do. We will have to do. There are no more eyewitness apostles. None of the apostles, and, and, and understand when we say apostles, we're talking about disciples, the 12 and Paul, right? There are no more eyewitness apostles, right? But there are those who've given their lives to Jesus just the same as those apostles did back then, right? And since there are no more eyewitness apostles, with what God wants done in today's age, guess what? We will have to do it. There are no more burning bushes calling shepherds to lead a people, right? There are no more burning bushes calling shepherds to lead a nation out of slavery. But there is a call from God for us to lead people to Jesus. There is no burning bush, but we will have to do. See, there's a privilege and a responsibility for today's day and age, right? Here I am, 
send me, is what Isaiah, son of Amos, said. Here I am. You know, he, he, he didn't, you know, like, well, I ain't very good, but I guess I'd give it a shot, you know. He didn't say that, man. He stood up with confidence, and he says, here I am. Send me. And I know some people with the spirit of a prophet. I know some of those people, and you do too. You can see them running in to burning buildings. You can see them giving their lives on foreign shores. Here I am, send me. You can see them protecting us in our law enforcement. You can see them in the ministry fields of groups of people that heard the good news. We can see those people everywhere. Here I am, send me, right? What about whenever we're out gathering cattle and something goes wrong? Man, I love them good. It might seem like a, like a no big deal. Somebody always, you know, come forward. Send me. Send me. What's stopping you from saying, here I am. Send me. See, don't be afraid to step up. Don't be afraid to step up. Don't be afraid of what you don't know can't do or what people will say. You cannot care about that if you say, here I am. Send me. Send me. Right? Don't be afraid to step up. Don't be afraid of what you don't know can't do or what people will say. If not us, then who? If not us, then who? Somebody that doesn't know Christ is going to go tell something that they don't know? No. If not us, then who? Who is going to spread God's message? Who's going to do it? If not you, then who? Then who? Because, see, I can't do it for you. I mean, I can do my part, and I will do my part. But I, I, I can't do it for you. Who will be God's messenger in Kiowa? Who will be God's messenger in Elizabeth? Who will be God's message in Colorado, in Texas, in Wisconsin, in Washington, in New Mexico, in Kansas? Who will be God's messenger in your house? Who will lead your family down the path of righteousness, men? Man, I'd love to see the men and women of today's age be able to stand up and say, here I am, send me. Because see, listen, we are the clay jars of today. Listen, I don't know how else to put this in perspective than this right here, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve sinned. And the next big thing that happened was the flood because the people of that day were so wicked and refused to repent and turn back to God. So God sent a flood. And then later on, God chose a man named Abram to be the father of his nation, right? And Abram does his deal. His name's changed to Abraham. He's the father of Israel, the nation. But as time goes on, Israel 
has to go down to Egypt because of a famine and then rulers change and now they're enslaved and God raises up a man named Moses and we go on and we go on and all of these Bible stories that you've heard so much about all of these different times of church history of the miracles and majesty of God and people stepping up and everything like that but did you know that since Jesus came was crucified on a cross, was in the grave for three days, and rose again. That according to prophecy, listen closely to this, according to prophecy, there was only one thing that had to happen before Jesus came. And that happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. They had not been their own nation since like 400, 200 years before Christ was born. Israel has not been a sovereign nation until 1948. And before Jesus comes back again, Israel had to be a solemn nation. Now, there's some other things in there, but that was the only thing that had not happened in prophecy that says before Jesus comes back. Now, let me ask you this. What if Jesus does come back next month? We will be remembered throughout heaven as those with the privilege of living in the last days before Jesus came back. No, there's no more prophets. There's no more apostles. We don't need them because the Holy Spirit resides in us. If not us, who? See, we have to know that God did give us that call. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Some of the last words that Jesus spoke on earth after his resurrection, before ascending into heaven, Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Listen closely to these next words. I am with you always to the very end of this age. This age that we live in right now is what Jesus is talking about. We think we all have time. And by the grace of God, maybe we'll be given today. But one day soon when Jesus comes back to get of his believers, everything is going to change. And are you going to be able to stand in front of God and say, here, there I was, and you sent me and I did it. Or are you going to say, well, I, I thought you were talking about somebody else. Not talking about anybody else. It's talking to you. Because when we ask the question, what must we do? Well, this is the time. This is the age before Jesus comes back. Now, I don't know if it'll be tomorrow, 10 years, 20 years, 2,000 years. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that from the time of creation to the time of Abraham was about 2,000 years. From the time of Abraham to Jesus was about 2,000 years. And the time between Jesus and right now is about 2,000 years. God never lets two millennia go without something amazing 
amazing happening. Will you be ready? This is the time. This is today. This is the time for setting aside excuses and taking responsibility with the gift that you've been given. Listen, somebody, it, it, it ain't about that hokey, you know, as I heard somebody, their, their style of evangelism was walking into restaurants and going, do you know my God? That is not what I'm talking about. People going to laugh at you and you're going to make Jesus look bad. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm talking about. You know what evangelism is? You know what the message is? See, real evangelism is one hungry beggar telling another hungry beggar where to find the food. I hope you're hungry. I hope you've tasted that food. I hope you've had that living water. And I know that you think that you're not ready. Well, I wasn't either when the call came to me. I know you think you're not ready. And I wasn't either. But we will have to do we have the responsibility to be believers in this day and age. It is our responsibility. And we will have to do, and we'll try to do it well. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, you, you still ask that. Who can I send to tell others about me? God, I pray right now that inside that you're speaking to somebody and you're calling them to more than they are right now and they can feel it. God, give them the courage. Give them the, the, the know-how. They don't feel prepared and we never feel. Isaiah didn't feel prepared. But God, we know you equip those that you call. And thank you for giving us the opportunity and privilege to not only worship you in freedom, but to use that freedom to tell others about you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.